You're now listening to a Rat House Production Podcast. For more podcasts like this, head to R-E-T-T-H-A-U-S dot net. What's he so gung-ho about? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. I, and then that's the thing that I sometimes feel people mistake about my attitude is that I can be just as negative, I can be just as, as down, but I try not to, and I have to make a conscious effort to do that. Yeah. And I feel that um, with... Uh, with the world that we live in and you're just being hit with media all the time, I just see that it's so much easier. And even in comedy, a lot of comics that are super, super huge and super, super um, huge careers, you know, lean on like the negativity, you know, you know, yeah. even, even the roast battles, you know, those things are funny and I love them, but that's a lot of like, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of crap you're taking oh and you just got to laugh about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 and wow, but those shows are huge and, and I've been to the, you know, roast battles and seen that and people, um, you know, I actually never have gone to the roast battle at the comedy store, but, um, but my buddy Keith, who's actually on the show tonight, he has a lot to do with that. But, um, yeah, I just for me personally, I try to put I try to look at the best part of something. I'm always a half full glass instead of half empty. empty yeah. I've always been that dude. See, I'm like the other way around, which was very interesting. That's why I was like, you know what? This might be a very interesting <laughs> podcast to jump onto because like for me, I'm actually waiting for the train wreck instead of like trying to avoid the train wreck. I'm like, the train wreck's going to happen. Like I have to expect the train wreck. But at the same time, like when it doesn't happen, I'm like, oh, all right, that's cool. Like, cool, let's continue on. Let's go down this route. I think everybody's a little bit like that. Like, even right now with, with what we're experiencing with, uh, with Trump and that phenomenon of everyone supporting him. And, and wow, you're seeing just huge groups of people. There's a part of me that wants to see him win the election just because I'm like, oh my God, I want to see how crazy it's going to get. No, like, like I know that's wrong. No, dude, I know that's wrong. (laughs) Like, I, it's the same feeling that I get when I'm standing next to a famous person and I'm like, I could punch Gene Simmons right now in the face. Like, there's that urge that you're like, oh my God, like, you know, or when you're, when you're standing on a a 40 story building and you're like, wow. And you're like, I want to jump off. Like there's that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's how that, that's the Trump phenomenon with me. Like I no, I do not want that to happen, but there is a part of me that's like, Oh my God, how (laughs) crazy would it be if he won? Because all we'd have, we would, how crazy would the country be? And it would be we would be like living in idiocracy where we're watering our plants with Gatorade. Like I, I can see <laughs> Mike Judd yeah. just was like, this is going to happen. People just I mean, understand at, that. At that point, uh, Mike judge would have to start a religion because he was literally <laughs> at that point. No different. He's than, the new age. Notre Dame. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But look at, uh, if but you that's get, the train wreck. I get what you're saying. You want to watch it happen. But we had that month. We had that years ago though. Cause everyone was like, there's no way. Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be our governor. And when it happened, I was like, it happened. Dude. It happened. And he wanted to become president, but, you know, they figured, you know, everyone knew, like, you can't be unless you were born here. Yeah. With that said, I think it's in everyone's psyche to want to see the train wreck, to want to watch, you know, whoa, did that car just crash? You know, on the way down (laughs) here, you look over, whoa, that's... That's not me. That's them. You keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I and, and and there's that negativity. You're like, oh man, they fucked up. You know, that's just a. It, I think that's in everyone's personality. Like I used to not think it was. You know, I thought yeah, yeah. like you know you can just be 
this you know perfect person all the time but that's imp- it's impossible yeah you know you're a human being and, and, and I think it's the same reason why they have America's Funniest Videos everyone loves to see a guy slip on an ice sidewalk that will never go out of style everyone wants to see the guy hit his head the woman slip at the wedding and crash her head it's the just, man that, that is the first time on the motorcycle and just whiskey throttles the crap out of it yeah. almost kills his kid <laughs> Probably broke his back. He's paralyzed. We don't know about that part, but that everyone wants to watch that. So, or or the classic, the guy that wants to jump off the roof into the pool, and some odd reason somehow overshots it completely and just hits the cement yeah. as hard as and possible. It's one of those things where he's climbing up there. You already know. Oh, I'm gonna miss the pool. Break his leg. Like yeah. you just know. Hey, hey, you guys, and welcome to That's Life, 26 years in the making and counting. I'm your host, MTR, also known as Matt Threat. All right, you guys, uh, I'm here backstage at uh, the improv with uh, the man behind Side One Dummy, the amazing comedian, uh, the singer of Wax and 22 Jacks. I didn't realize that rhymed until this very <laughs> freaking moment right now. I'm here. Uh, do I have the crowd applause? I do. Joe Sib, everybody. Thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on. I appreciate it. Matt, uh, you're crushing it right now. I love that you're your own roadie. I, I have to be because I... Like doing the job. <laughs> right now, for everyone that's w- listening, Matt is doing, seriously, five jobs right now. You're producing the show. You're the booker of the show. You're the promoter of the show. You're also the host of the show. I all- and... And you're the guy, you're the board op. That, yeah. I think I listed six jobs, Matt. <laughs> I also am the one that runs Rat House. I was just gonna say, and you do craft services because you brought you brought donuts. I, I had insane. you, man. I had you. I felt that that you guys deserved donuts. Who doesn't love donuts? You know what? Someone that's sick and sad and <laughs> gonna die alone. Like well, you, how could you? Like Charles Manson in prison. If you brought a donut to him, he'd be like, "I'm stoked on that." <laughs> right? Like, like I'm taking it. Yeah, I don't even no care. No one. The terrorist that hates America would be like, "I like the donuts." Like <laughs> it's like everyone. We'll get rid of everything, but keep the donuts. Yeah, like we're yeah, okay with that. Yeah. And I made sure to bring them. Shout out to Zombie Donuts for for hooking it up too, because I told them where I was going. They're like, "Oh, we'll hook you up. No worries." Wow. So we got a maple bacon bar. Uh, we also got a Nutella bar. We got a red velvet eye one. We got a s'more uh, uh, one as well as I forgot what the heart one is oh the heart is a raspberry filled heart that has a stake through it but yeah let's go ahead let's get into it you guys are used to the podcast that uh, you know we talk about life and just how messed up it is uh, <laughs> had, had to had to give Joe a little a little uh, you know uh, 411 on exactly what happens uh, why we record that live because you know what the thing is like I love having people on I love having guests but I also love just talking about life and I always compare the podcast to this one day and I knew I wanted to record everything that happened in my life because I was in a rush on my way to work, drove through Taco Bell, got food real quick, had to get gas, jumped out, put the burrito down, filled up my tank, jumped back in. I sat on my fucking burrito. Damn it. And you just look at the burrito and you're like, Fuck it. <laughs> you just continue eating and keep on driving in life. So from that very moment, I was like, you know what? Like, I have to document these things. Like, there's just something about life that that is so ridiculously funny and ironic. And you just have to take it in a positive way and laugh at yourself. Well, those moments, like, sitting on your burrito. First of all, that's a strong move to eat the burrito. <laughs> and I got to say right I now. I paid for it. I had to. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I could, I could sit on someone else's burrito 
in a, in a Uber and I might still eat it. Like it might be like I get in an Uber, guy forgot left his burrito. I'm in it now. I You're sit like, on a burrito. Mine. Done. <laughs> Done. It might even have a bite out of it. Talk about burrito. Uh, and it sucked too because I was halfway in, so it was like open, so there was a little squish Doesn't out matter. of it. <laughs> Just... Love Taco Bell. <laughs> Love Taco Bell because you can always count on Taco Bell tasting the same anywhere in the world that yeah. you eat it. I don't know how they do that. Can't be that good for you that it's the No, same. it's it's because it's frozen meat and they're yeah. just like, we'll send it's the whole like Subway, uh my quote for Subway, eat semi fresh, because you know it's frozen. Yeah. It's frozen fresh does not preserve your food. Understand that. I love people. that you wanted to capture though all those moments and it's all centered around sitting on a burrito in your car. <laughs> That's what it all funneled down to. I, I actually was, I was waiting for like some monumental story like as my dad passed away, he whispered in my ear, some, record. yeah, record, <laughs> record my death. And, and then you went on. No, you're saying sat on a burrito. No. I got to start a podcast. That's that actually started my script. I'm, I'm like a quarter ways in. It's called a uh, hard to explain, which is literally based on like the only way you can explain the story is by telling it. And it's a series of things that have happened on my podcast and things that haven't happened. One of the huge things is like I'm Mexican, but I I asked me to speak Spanish and it goes as far as a Taco Bell and Del Taco menu. Like that's about it. So I I wanna kinda explain the comedy of life, but also like how hard it is to be Mexican and you know, like not speak Spanish and kind of be disowned to a certain degree. But that's that all started from sitting on the burrito and I was like, I gotta write something about this too. So <laughs> Quarter ways into the script and on top of it, this podcast. But let's jump off it. This podcast isn't about me, damn it. It's about you today, man. And it was funny because I was trying my hardest to find anything and everything about you, Joe. And it was really hard, man. Wow. <laughs> like, I was like, dude, like... It, I gotta Google my name more and just see what comes up. You need to get someone to write your Wikipedia. Every time you fart, something needs to be updated <laughs> within the Wikipedia. Be like, Joe farted on... Uh, uh, February 17th at 6.32 p.m. And just like get them to get on it, man. Because I found three things. Your name. Oh, no. Four things. Your name. Part of Side One Dummy. Uh, you're part of Wax. And you're part of 22 Jacks. That was it. And on top of that, I might add, congratulations to you. I saw the video of Wax. You haven't aged at all, man. Thank like you. I was just like, he has the fountain of youth somewhere. He's fucking hiding it from us. He's I never hiding did drugs. It. That's what it was? I think that's what it was. I never smoked. I never did drugs. I thought it was but just lots of cocaine. No, I man. Everyone, yeah, no, I, have, I don't know. I, I, uh, as I've gotten older, people say, oh my God, you still look the same, which I don't think so. But uh, I just never, you know what it was? I never drank hard alcohol and I never, I drank plenty of beers and had- you Budweiser. Know, beer, you know, whatever. Just drinking beer. But I never, like, being in a band and touring and I was just around- so many opportunities to look so much more, you know, haggard than I do. And I think, um, I think that just had a lot to do with, I, I was lucky that I just never, I never smoked. Like all my bros that I played with in bands, and if they're listening, I love you guys like brothers, but you look terrible. Like they just, <laughs> like, I saw a photo. That's such a backhanded oh compliment. I, I love you, but you look like shit. No, they, they do, man. <laughs> Eat some vegetables, bro. You got to run once in a while. You got to work. Like they used to make fun of me because I would do sit-ups and I'd go for jogs. And they were always like, oh my God, does this guy ever stop? And um, yeah, I, I, I remember I ran into one of our guitar players and I, I didn't even recognize him. I was like, oh my God, what happened to you? 
And he just said life, like life just is straight happening. up, just life, life like life has, you know, and I was like, you can't survive on Captain Morgan's and pizza for 25 years and, and night you're like, okay, you know, cause, but it'd be that, nice to do oh, it, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, totally. No, but, but you know, for me, I got, I was just, you know, I was just super, uh, I was just always, I think I was just too scared to take drugs and I, I never, like I said, I never smoked because my parents smoked and. I wasn't into that, but I just, I was out on the road so much for so long. I mean, from the time I was like, I think the first tour I went on, I was like 17 and I just stayed on the road until I was, I stopped prior around 33 when I had my first kid. So it was like, I was on the road that whole entire time. Yeah. And, um, that, that'll age you. Like I, I feel that does, but you know. Well, yeah. Cause you're literally, you're not only at the mercy of your fast food, but you're at the mercy of like. Can you sleep comfortably in a van? Can you sleep comfortably if it's not your own bed? All these factors like I can sleep, get dude. I can, I, I'm the master of sleep. My wife trips out all the time. <laughs> you just crash out oh, anywhere. Dude, I can sleep, dude. I can sleep sitting up. I can sleep. I, I'll take like there'll be nights before a show now that I can take. I can take a nap in my car, just a ten minute or as long as I hit REM and get a little bit of a dream in there. I'm like <laughs> battery reset. Here we go. A lot of times at home. My wife, she snores. She'll wake me up, and if I've already slept for like a half hour, yeah, like I'm, I'm screwed. Yeah, I'm up for the whole night. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, it. But I've always been that way. Even when I was a little kid, I remember I used to go to all these. I remember I saw. Um, I'm gonna date myself. I, I went to see like, I want to say it was like Minor Threat first tour. Don't tell me know, things like this yeah, that I couldn't experience. First tour, eighty-two, eighty-two, <laughs> and I remember we were at the On Broadway in San Francisco. And I want to say, like, bef- like maybe before they went on, um, I was seriously napping in the balcony of the show, full hardcore show going on, <laughs> because I wanted to have more energy when Minor Threat hit the stage. There was only one time I fell asleep during a concert, and I think I deserved to fall asleep because my my mom couldn't find a babysitter. Yeah, my sister was really into into Backstreet Boys. So I fell asleep at a Backstreet Boys concert. Yeah. <laughs> Just straight knocked out. Yeah, and if I, you're not into the music, you're going to fall asleep super, asleep. super easy. Yeah, so as you're, a kid, it was could, just like... Yeah, you're, you're, at that point, you're bringing a bed with you to the show. You're like, I'm fine. I'm going to miss dude, out on I can't survive on, like, unless I get eight hours of sleep. Even now, like, I'm sure I look like shit. But I got, like, eight hours of sleep, and it just wasn't enough for me. Yeah, I'm in, like, a six to eight hours max. I don't... I don't. But you could do a 30-minute recharge oh, and just get out totally, there? Fuck totally. Fuck Yeah. I'm asleep right now while we're doing this interview. <laughs> sleep I'm just right mindlessly now. answering. Yeah, yeah, this isn't even me. I'm <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go ahead. It, it was funny because originally I was going to make uh, this segment called Getting to Joe You. Okay. But the problem was is that uh, if I want to continue with this segment, there's going to be other people <laughs> not named Joe. So it's going to be pretty ridiculous. So I couldn't go with that. But okay. none, nonetheless, we're going to get into uh, this segment is called If It Doesn't Play... Uh, uh, it's called Getting to Know You. Okay, cool. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. What movie was that in? This was The King and I. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're going to go ahead. Yul Brenner was in that. I'm not going to lie. I don't know who's in The King and I. I know it's from The King and I. I'm pretty sure Yul Brenner was in there. But, uh... Okay, we don't need to know that. Okay, go. First question, go. (laughs) No, wait, hold on. We we also got some awesome background music that we we use for, like... Well, I use for everything. 
But let's go ahead, let's see if it passed. No, okay, here we go. All right, here we go. What city were you born in? Uh, Havertown, Philadelphia. What's your, what was your favorite game in elementary school? Kickball. As a kid, uh, do you recall your parents ever spanking you? And if they did, what was the most painful time and why did you deserve it? Um, one time I took a pocket knife and cut apart our couch. <laughs> and then I tried to like <laughs> pretend it didn't happen and like push the little pattern back in there. <laughs> it was like a flower pattern. So I took my pocket knife, cut around the flower, and I pulled it out. I'm like, oh, wow. And even at like 10, I was like, or eight or whatever, I'm like, that's fucked up. But then I'm like, no one will notice. So I just put it back there. And then I just remember my dad finding out about it and finding me. And it was like spanking. And at that point, I want to say, you know, I think I remember a belt. But I don't remember like a, like a strict beatdown. I think I always remember the talk of the beatdown with a little bit of the, the, the spanking in there. But I don't remember like... You know, like, oh my god, I can't sit down. But I do remember, like, I think I think he fucked me up after. I mean, I deserved it. You know, I, I ruined the sofa. It's like, it's, and they know. had to pay for that. In, in no way, yeah. shape, or form were you gonna be able to pay for that. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think I, I think while I was being punished, I was like, I totally deserve this, dude. <laughs> okay, uh, do you recall your favorite high school teacher? Uh, fa- Mr. Ferry. He was our English teacher. All right. What was the dumbest thing that you ever did in high school? Uh, dumbest thing I ever did in high school was uh, drink a bunch of beer. I was at a house party in San Jose, and I got up on a piano while a band was playing uh, and did a stage dive naked. <laughs> I'm, on none of these questions, I'm expecting those answers. <laughs> okay, what was your favorite, uh, where was your hangout after school in high school with your friends? Uh, across the street in the Safeway parking lot on Pollard Road in Campbell, California, because we all skateboarded there. Nice. Uh, did you go to college? If so, what was your major, and did you finish? I went to Santa Clara University in San Jose, California, and I was a communications major because that was the only major that my dad and I figured I could possibly get through. <laughs> And I graduated. Nice. We'll see. At least you graduated. I did. Okay. Uh, do you recall your first car that you ever got? Yes. It was a Ford Escort, Escort and it was burgundy. Nice. With kind of like, it almost had like uh, plaid uh, seat covers and stuff. Uh, do you recall your first job? My first job, Pioneer Chicken. I was a cook. Basically, that's the equivalent. Of, it was Kentucky Fried Chicken's competition in the Bay Area. Nice. Uh, do you recall your first sexual experience? Absolutely. <laughs> do you still? It was. A, it, was um, it was at the. Uh, it was at Santa Cruz Garden School. Not like while I was going there, because that's like a junior <laughs> high. But that's where it took place on a bench. Uh, are you still trying to convince yourself that you were good? No, there's nothing good about it. it kind of <laughs> like, is this over? Wow, that was cool. Let's do that again more frequently. Do you recall your first drunk experience? Absolutely. I was 16 years old at my friend's... Uh, no, I was 15, and my friend turned 16, and he had three punk bands play in his garage, and his dad bought a keg. His name was Paul and Draken. His nickname was Dog Boy. And I remember we drank um, from the keg, and I was stoked. Do you recall your first punk album? First punk rock record that I ever bought uh, was The Clash, Clash's first record. Do you recall the first house you ever purchased? Yeah, it was in Hollywood on Gardner Street. Nice. Do you recall the first time... Uh, Dude, are you... we going to credit app right now? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no, I just I got a whole bunch of, whole bunch of questions on Your peak earning years. 
uh, uh, your social security, you want to put that down. Is it, uh, do you recall the first time that you decided on the name Side One Dummy for the company? Um, well, we didn't really ever decide on the name. I had the company name Side One, and my partner Bill Armstrong was starting a company called Dummy. And we decided, hey, we should do this together. And when we came together, he, he came up with the idea. Why don't we just call the company Side One, dummy? And I was like, cool. And we handshaked on it. And we've been doing it for 21 years. Do you recall the first band that you guys signed? First band that we had, well, first record that we put out was my own band, um, which was 22 Jacks. But the first record that we put out by a band that we weren't in or, you know, that was just friends of ours was the Swinging Utters. Uh, do you recall the first time that, oh yeah, do you recall the first time you ever laid eyes on your wife? Absolutely. It was at a bar in Santa Ana called, um, uh, oh my god, it's coming right now. Hold on for a second. Why am I spacing on this right now? It was called The Doll Hut off the five Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And just do- so you know, anyone that's listening, if you know what The Doll Hut is, it's, it, you're like, okay. Yeah, if you don't know what the Doll Hut is, it's basically a place where, at that time, everyone looked like Mike Ness from Social Distortion, and people went there to either fight or get super, super drunk. Nothing's changed, I might add. Okay. Uh, I met my wife there, she was shooting pool. (laughs) Do you recall the first time you ever laid eyes on each of your children? Yeah. Of course, them being born, but... Yeah, right when, yeah, my wife pushed them both out, and I was like, damn, I made these people, this is rad. (laughs) Where do you feel like you're going to be in 10 years? Uh, In 10 years? Gosh, where will I be in 10 years? Um, hopefully I'll still be vertical. <laughs> uh, do, uh, favorite band? Favorite band all time? Yep. Like one favorite all time One band? favorite band of all time. One favorite band of all time? I'm going to have to go with the Ramones. Favorite place to eat? Favorite place to eat? Uh, right now, my favorite place to eat is this Italian joint in, um, it's in, uh, it's in Hollywood. I'm, it's like La Canita or something. Favorite- you know what? I'll say this. Take it back. I'm gonna give a shout out to where I'm, uh, where I live uh, in Glendale. There's a uh, Mexican restaurant um, and it's called La Cabanita. That's where you gotta go. Favorite place to eat when you're drunk? There's a place in Glendale that I gotta give a shout out to. It's called La Cabanita. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show uh, of all time? Yep, Twilight Zone. Yes! Come on! Woo! We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, favorite movie? Favorite movie? I'm gonna go with Cool Hand Luke. Uh, favorite book? Favorite book? Um, my favorite book. God, there's so many that I like. Uh, like if I was gonna recommend one book, yep. um, I would recommend um the um. Oh God, hold on for one second. <laughs> Turn the music down for one second so I can think. Okay, it's called Captain Zero. Boom. Captain Thank Zero. You. Captain Zero. Uh, favorite comedian. Favorite comedian. Um, I know it, it's easy to say Richard Pryor, George Carlin. Um, I love both those guys. Um, so I, you're going to go with Rodney Dangerfield. No, no I'm joking. mean, I love Rodney Dangerfield. You know, I, I don't know if I have a... I, if, I, if you were to say to me, hey, man, you can sit down and, and get to see one of those comics. You know, I'd probably go with Richard Pryor. Okay, Richard Eddie Murphy. Pryor. I love all that stuff. I recently just discovered Eddie Murphy's stand-up comedy, and I wasn't expecting what it was yeah. what came out I was like holy shit this is amazing now yeah. I know why people like yeah, him people love favorite activity to do on the toilet favorite activity to do on the toilet probably between uh, probably like you know maybe hit out a tweet alright favorite buddy to hang out with favorite buddy to hang out with um, probably my son what band do you hate the most or can't stand? I don't hate any bands. I just honestly don't. There's a lot of bands I, I might not dig. I think I yelled out once uh, during the Melvins they were playing. I said, you suck. 
<laughs> and it was only because I wanted to leave and our gear was still up there. <laughs> and and um, they were just playing way too long and it was the 80s. And supposedly on that tour, Kurt Cobain was their roadie. No, so really. So I, I kind of yelled at Kurt. You, you might have been the spawn of... Just he remembered that guy. He's like, dude, some guy yelled at me that I sucked back at. Well, the he day. wasn't. He wasn't in the Melvins, but supposedly he was roadieing for them <laughs> on that tour. Uh, what movie do you hate the most, or can't stand? Uh, you know, there's not any movie I really hate per se, but I'm not like a real action, blowing things up type movie guy. So definitely avoiding Die Hard. <laughs> no, I love Die Hard. I love really? that. But I'm saying like the new like. Transformers and you know it's like just yeah but that's because the new Transformers does suck well, that's the <laughs> that's you know? the big thing on that I one alright well see now uh, whoever's listening go and fix Joe's Wikipedia cause now we know no everything dude can everything. we just can someone just go on my Wikipedia and type in all the shit we just said <laughs> I'm sure they will at this can point can anyone update it yeah okay cool yeah. if you're listening right now update it <laughs> and then uh, t- update it for me all the stuff we just talked about, make it look cool, and then when and then run into me and oh, and the code word for you updating it will be sitting on a burrito. Just say, <laughs> hey man, and you'll come to a show. I was sitting on a burrito, and, and you'll be like, like hey, I know. Are you I Joseph? Know. And I'll be like, yeah. And you'll be like, um, your Wikipedia page. I'll be like, yeah. And you'll be like, sitting on a burrito. <laughs> and then at that moment, um, drinks are on me at wherever venue we're at. <laughs> I might have to be the person to do it then if I'm getting free. Hook it up, bro. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead. Let's get let's get all deep like into this from from this moment on. No more quick questions. I want these long answers because you know, Joe, you're king of answering stuff so well and full huh. to detail. I'm still amazed at you uh, hanging out with the boss and Edge. And I'm a little pissed that I wasn't there. I would at least like to be at the table next to it, which apparently. I don't think I would have been able to because no, the whole was no the, table. yeah I was gonna yeah. say the whole restaurant was shut yeah, down. The restaurant for them. was shut down. Or at least through the window and just be like, ah, oh, look at this. Nah, I would have shut the window. Time. I would be like, no, Matt, <laughs> this is <laughs> my time. <laughs> my time to shine. My time, Matt. Boom. <laughs> so you you've met people high and as well as low. What's the most interesting inter- interaction that you've had with any musician in general? I mean, I honestly, and I hate to say this because people use this word way too much, but the word blessed and grateful is the only two words I can use to describe the ride I've had since I was 15 years old. I mean, I got into, I got into, uh, I was really lucky that growing up with my parents, they were really into music. So yeah. like I had access to so much great different styles of music and the music that they were playing ranged from like the classic Italian Jerry Vale stuff they were into the Beatles and they were into Elton John it was the 70s so they were really into a lot of eclectic music and then also the thing that was really neat was they threw a lot of parties so I was in an atmosphere that I always say the reason I love shows the reason I love uh, comedy or the reason that I love music and going to a show is because the household I grew up in uh, always had people over and there was always music on and there was always a meal being cooked and there was this really great atmosphere and I was really left to do whatever I wanted to do in the sense that it wasn't like it is today where you're like you give your kid your phone and they're playing some app for hours like I was I always kid around that I was like a DJ when I was like 10 years old because my parents they would be like oh go put something on you know so and so's coming over it's Saturday night do this do that and I'd fall asleep by the stereo while my parents and their friends you know just raged until you know until the midnight hours yeah and it was great being around that so so for me, 
when I got older, I was always really into, I was, you know, first I was into magic. Like I was a little magician. Like I loved doing magic and I, and like the, I always say the first rock stars for me were like, was like Houdini, Houdini and all those guys. Like I loved all that stuff. And then as I got older, um, and my parents separated, it was the eighties, you know, I always, I was just in the right place at the right time when punk rock hit the suburbs. And it was at the time when all of this new style of music, Black Flag, you know, Circle Jerks, you know, the Ramones, all this music, not so much the Ramones, but like they were already happening, but, but these bands that were filled with people that were my age. And, and that would be the LA hardcore yeah, scene, Yeah, right? and for me, I was growing up in the Bay Area. Okay. So, so the, we had our Bay Area bands, but all of the bands from Los Angeles, Circle Jerks, um, you know, the Adolescents, Bad Religion, um, X... Uh, Black Flag, all those bands, you know, would travel up to do yeah. shows in Northern California, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, living with my dad in San Jose. That I, I just, I would, I grew up skateboarding, uh, punk rock and skateboarding went together, and I just dove in head first, and it really took over my life in the sense that, like, I was just all about skateboarding, and I was all about punk rock, yeah, and that's all I cared about, and I really dove, you know, into it, into the sense of like almost to a point of like unhealthiness because. All I would read about is bands. All that I wanted to know Flip about. Flipside magazine. Yeah, you know, back then stuff, it was yeah. Maxim Rock and Roll. Uh, Maxim Rock and Roll had a radio show. Um, you know, Tim Yohan and all these guys that I grew up with. Uh, there was another show in the Bay Area uh, called Vinyl Rights. And I would just listen to that religiously every Thursday night. I wanted to go to every single show. Anytime, any band, whether it was SSD Controls coming from Boston, I had to see them. Yeah. Hey man, this band called Ill Repute's coming up from Oxnard. I got to see them. Hey man, there's this band from San Diego called Battalion of Saints. I'm going to see them. Hey, the Adolescents are coming. I got to see them. Hey, Bad Religion is coming. I got to go see them. Like I felt that I needed to see all these bands and, and really just immerse myself in it. And I was really into it. So then as I got older, what ended up happening was I ended up, um, I wanted to start my own band and, and starting my own band. I was about 15. I played bass in this, this band when I was 15. I went from being the bass player to a singer when I was 18. And I sang in that band until I was about 22, 23 and then that, or 22. And then that band fell apart. And then I moved to LA when I was 23 after I graduated from college and there was nothing left for me in Northern California. So all of a sudden now I'm in LA and I had a couple friends. I, I had one buddy, Steve Soto from the adolescence and another buddy, um, Brian Ray, uh, who talked me into moving to LA and I, he said I could sleep on his couch for, for one month. He's like, you can stay on my couch for one month, man. But if you can't get it together at that point, then you're out of here. So I came down here. I didn't know anybody, dude. And I remember at that point too, I was so like, it was so evident that I was so out of gas in the sense that like, you know, I was just a skater kid from Northern California. I had shorts, t-shirt, and like a baseball cap. And like yeah. all of a sudden, you know, I'm thrown into this world with my friend Brian Ray where he's literally having parties at his house where it's like the bass player from Fishbones there or the, the, the you know, the bass player from Jane's Addiction. And I'm like, holy, oh my God. Like these are people that I'm meeting right now and, and I'm going to these shows and seeing these amazing bands play. I remember the first time I saw Flea from the Chili Peppers like in real life. It was just insane. And all of a sudden I was in this scene of musicians and, and I realized, I'm like, oh man, what a great opportunity. Like I can reinvent who I am. Like no one knows that I did the stage dive off the piano naked down here. No Facebook one, wasn't invented yeah, yet. <laughs> no one knew that. No, like there wasn't the ex-girlfriend that says, oh my God, he's lame. There wasn't the, the time that I got kicked out of the bar. Like all those moments didn't exist. So it was so amazing. So like I literally was like, I want to, I want to, I'm going to reinvent like my vibe and my vibe at that point, I got a haircut and I remember, I, I remember I took a photo of like, 
I brought in like a picture of Mike Ness and I'm like, I want my hair like that. Guy cut my hair like that, started nice. slicking it back. And then before I knew it, I met these three dudes from Chicago. They were thinking of starting a band or they were starting a band. They were looking for a singer. I was like, dude, I'm a singer. And all of a sudden I found myself in this band and it was called Wax. And we literally got signed within six months. And that just all of a sudden I was just on the rocket ship to touring and making records uh, you know, we worked with Daniel Ray, who had produced like two Ramones records, and all of the music that I loved. And I started meeting the people that had made this music, and the people that I read about. And being in Los Angeles, I was I was so fortunate to start working with and meeting the people that had inspired me when I was a kid. And that to me still blows me away. And and the friendships that I've made, and the and the people that I met at those times, really started to shape what I was gonna do for the next 20 years because right around uh, 24, I started Side One Dummy with my partner Bill, I think 25, something like that. And we started putting out records together, but it was all just on the idea of like, we like music, we like to drink beer, we drink coffee during the day, hopefully we'll make enough cash to do those things. You, n I never thought in a million years that I would be doing Side One Dummy 21 years later. I never thought that. I never thought that I'd work with Gaslight Anthem, uh, flogging Molly, well, go -Go. two of my favorite. Yeah, Gogo Gogo <laughs> I mean, I just saw Brian Fallon last night at the Troubadour, and I'm sitting there with him, and 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 you know he's 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 just he's doing his solo record. We did that record, um, and, and and I'm sitting there watching him, and I remember the first time I saw him in front of ten people, or maybe ten, maybe in San Diego, and we started working together. That was yeah. like six years ago, and or even longer, maybe. But the thing is. The relationships that I've made, you know, when you ask me, like, you know, is there one person I've met? It, I was so lucky that I got into the music that I got into. The, the idea that I got into punk rock, I was so lucky because if I would have got into metal, you're not going to meet, you know, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. You're yeah. not going to hang out with Jason Newsted, you know, from Metallica. Yeah. You know, you're not going to meet those guys because that, that, that community of music, that's not, that's not the, the open door policy that punk rock had. You know, I met some of my closest friends that are my friends now, but also people that inspired me so much. Like I said, Steve Soto from the Adolescents. I mean, that guy, you know, he was such an influence on my life. Uh, you know, Joey Ramone, yeah. uh, Dee Dee Ramone, Johnny Ramone, uh, all of those people. Like, you know, just being a kid that was backstage, meeting him. Uh, Arturo Vega from the Ramones. I mean, Arturo did lights for the Ramones, designed the logo. He was the, he was the he was basically the fifth Ramone. He was such an inspiration in my life and such a huge influence on you know who I am today and I think it's all because of the style of music that I got into it really lended to people um, extending that that hand and that and that that ear of like you know, I could ask questions and I was always asking questions I still think that that's true to this day because even when I was younger um, one of my favorite bands was the Skulls yeah. they were you know back in 77 you know kicked out the singer started Wall of Voodoo yeah. Mexican Radio they broke up Billy Bones Got a new lineup for the Skull, started playing stuff, put out two albums. They took me on the road with them when I was like fifteen. Wow! And they were just and but they also thought I was a lot older. <laughs> but they were like like they performed in my backyard, and it seemed like honestly within punk rock, it was uh, like you said, it's such an open door where like you ask any questions, it's not like so, somebody's gonna be a cocky asshole. I mean, and if they are, like it's just their personality. Like yeah, no, like I'm, Jack I'm Grisham, sure. Jack Grisham, amazing man. But you know what, like understand like just like back in the day when he'd wear a dress and you made fun of him he kicked the shit out of you came back and finished his conversation absolutely you know and 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 i would i would say this that in any any 
there's plenty of people that probably would you say, well, I did grow up in the metal scene and, and I have, you know, I have a different experience. I'm just saying from my personal experience, I was, I was in the right place at the right time when the suburbs and, and, and punk rock collided and I was like right in the middle of it. And I, I'm really grateful for that because I, I, it, it really shaped who I am today. Yeah. And it also, it also shapes a lot of the way, I mean, it shapes, it shapes so much, you know, even the way I do business, even the, um, even in comedy, um, I've, I really feel that like I only have one way to to work, you know, a show or work um, the work. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I only have I only know one way of doing something, and it's just that do-it-yourself attitude. Yeah. You know, whether it's doing shows at the Brea Improv or doing shows at the garage. You know, it's like I just have that. I just only know. Well, I want to do this. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And and I've just always been that guy since I was a little kid. You know, and and I and I feel that that attitude of DIY, do it yourself, uh, you know, is all about side one dummy. I mean, we started that company, my partner and I, with like five grand, and we just wanted to put records out. Like I said, yeah. And that attitude just kind of stayed and kept us alive for twenty one years. Now, out of curiosity, since uh, we are talking about side one dummy, um, the there's a huge change within the music industry right now. You have stuff like Rhapsody, Spotify, and... Dude, uh, I haven't heard Rhapsody. Is it even still around? That's all I use, man. Are you serious? I swear, I use oh Rhapsody, man. Oh my God. Man. And it's, it's, they just recently updated their app, too. It's, I, I love Dude, it. Dude, my dad's like 75 years old, and he, he's like, Rhapsody's over, bro. <laughs> he's like, Spotify, dude. I, I, I can't man, stand Spotify, why? man. Why? It's just, it's funky to me, man. Oh my man. God, it's so easy to use. No, so I is Rhapsody. It. I love that. Wow, do you have the Rhapsody player too? Yeah, I got everything. I got oh my it. God, look at that. All right, I'm going to go over to Rhapsody. Hey, no diss on Rhapsody, but I just, I'm like, I, yeah, Said, there you go, wax. Yeah, yep. Okay, I like it now. No. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, no. I, but out of curiosity me, yeah. with, with, uh, with the transition from like digital and now streaming, how has it affected uh, the record industry? Because it used to be CDs and tapes yeah. and even vinyls. And that was for the hardcore. Person. Absolutely. I mean, for us, you got to look at it this way: for the major labels, the Warner Brothers and the Capitals and whoever else is still around with those huge overheads and those huge offices and those huge staffs of people all around the world. I have a staff at Sidewind Dummy. Um, all together, we we're like I think seven or eight people. And then you have some people that work for us in Europe. You have some people that work for us in Japan. So, you know, we don't like the staff that I keep employed, including my partner and I is like eight people. Yeah. So we have a, we have, you know, right there, you have eight people, right? And then our building is a two story, you know, loft style building in Hollywood. It's not some in the back, you know, you've got the private parking and the, and the yeah, yeah. special coffee maker and the the cook that comes in and don't forget about the workout facility. Cause I mean, back in the day when you go to the labels, they had all those things, yeah. which is great. But you know, once again, keeping the overhead down, we have a really cool spot in Hollywood. It's, it's awesome. Um, with that said, our overhead is lower and we're able to work with bands and do records with bands. And sure, you know, are you blazing as many CDs as you used to? No, but do we still still sell a ton of CDs? Absolutely. Do we still, we made cassettes. We just started working with this, this artist, um, uh, that his pre-order for his record is on cassettes. And like today I was sitting there and I'm like, wow, who would have thought like, you know, a couple thousand cassettes that people want. Yeah. All the vinyl that we do, we sell a ton of vinyl. Um, and also all the streaming that we do and all, anyways, and people still buy music on iTunes. I mean, where it's at is, is that everyone is in, in my, you know, like what, how I live is I just stream everything. Yeah. And, and what I feel ultimately will happen is that at a certain point, 
that streaming fee because the artists aren't getting what they should and the labels aren't getting what they should. Mm -hmm. And at that, at a certain point, it'll have to change where that number has to be, uh, has to be equal or at least close to what an artist should get. You shouldn't get, you know, you shouldn't get spun, you know, three million times and get a check for 30 cents. Yeah. You know, and at a certain point that will balance out and get fixed, you know, when that happens, I don't know. I do know this, that no matter what, the way you get your music and the way people are getting music is always going to be changing. But the thing that, that keeps me going and the thing that keeps Side One Dummy going is that there's one thing that won't change is that you have to be a great band live. You have to be a great band with something to say. You have to write great songs. And all the bands that we work with, and I'm not saying this because they're on Side One Dummy, um, all of our bands are, are the best bands. You know, like we work with the best. Like even, you know, from back in the day, you know, we had Flogging Molly. In my opinion, they were the best at like what they did. You know, like the I band le- that everybody said would never amount to anything and Ab- stay in the bars Absolutely. and look at them now. Absolutely. And then, and then all the way to the bands that we work with now: Allison Weiss, uh, Andrew Jackson, Jihad. Um, you know, we started working with a new artist uh, called Knocko Bear and Medicine for the People. I mean, and his music is just off the chart. Uh, whether it's uh, Pup from Canada, I mean, they just their records about to come out in May. I li- and, I literally just checked them out yeah, recently. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and awesome. people are flipping out about that band Pup. They, they they're flipping out. All of these young bands, and and the bottom line is, is it all those bands are so different? It make this is the thing I said the other night. All those bands that are on side one make sense that they're on side one because it doesn't make sense that they're on side one. Like it doesn't <laughs> make sense at all that not go bear. And pepper on the same label, yeah. like it's it's literally saying, "Hey man, I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Cool man, let's put some salami on it." That that's what it's yeah. literally saying. And 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 I feel that we our label has never had a sound, and and the only thing that we've ever had is just great acts. I could agree with that yeah. because at one point you guys actually uh, picked up the casualties, which is straight Absolutely. street, street punk. punk, and then you have someone like you already uh, addressed uh, Gaslight Anthem, and they're like. They're Springsteen-y. You know, they have like a Springsteen yeah. element to them. They're American rock, you know? And when we worked with the casualties, I mean, that was the first time ever that those guys had ever even ever even made like a record in the same place. And actually, you know, you know, that was they they had never been brought to the to the front of the yeah. the line before. And and all the all the bands that we've ever worked with, I've always I've always been super, super, you know, grateful. And even the bands that like didn't necessarily become huge. You know, one of my favorite bands from LA that we worked with for years, The Briggs. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're they're one of these bands that just uh, every record they put out was better than the last. Yeah. I loved working with them. You know, they're a great band. So it's it's been a it's been a great twenty one years and and like when you said at the beginning, you know, who who can I pinpoint that I've met that was yeah, sure, you know, meeting Springsteen or or, you know, the Edge and those people I mean those moments are amazing, but but the moments that you know, for me, that'll always stand out is is a lot of the first times. You know, whether it was you know the first time that Flag and Molly got played on the radio, or the first time that Gaslight Anthem was on Letterman. Yeah. You know, to some people that might be like, oh, what's so important about that? Or what was? But for me, as a dude growing up, as a little kid sitting, you know, on the couch at my dad's house watching Letterman, all of a sudden you're, you know. 20 years later you're you're in the studio watching a band that you work with play and David Letterman hold up their record those are moments that you're like how the hell did this ever happen which I always tell people man it never turns out the way that you think it is man like like you know think about that for a second you know the the mo- those kind of moments 
you can't you can't predict that stuff. Yeah. You can't. Well, speaking of uh, radio and predicting moments, at one moment, uh, Complete Control Radio started, and that was on, back in the day, Indy yep. 103.1, and now it's transitioned over to uh, 98.7 and yep. a few a few other... Yeah, we're on in radios. Austin. We're on in Austin, Denver, and... Austin, Denver, Austin, Denver, and LA. Yeah, three places. How did that all come about? And w- why specifically was like, did you want to mix in the old school punk rock with new school and some new bands well, that we, just had a new yeah. flavor? I mean, basically what happened when we originally started the show, because it's been on the air now for 11 years. Like, yeah. I'm in my 11th year right now. And when we started the show originally, it wasn't so... It wasn't. It wasn't so common to hear social distortion on the radio. It was. I mean, you know, sure you'd hear them on K Rock here and there, but it wasn't so common to hear like a Black Flag track or what you know. And also, punk rock at that point was like you know maybe twenty years old. Now all of a sudden it's thirty years old. So so the idea as the shows continued to grow was I didn't want it to be like a K Earth One Hundred One show where you're like, okay, here's something from a band from forty years ago. So then what I wanted to do was I you know, along with the producer you know Maddie who's who's amazing. We really, you know, he's younger than me. I was like, look, let's really put a pers- let's put a different perspective on the show, and and we really geared it towards like let's play bands like Gaslight Anthem, let's play bands like the Menzingers, let's play bands like Title Fight, let's let's the not- unexpected Touche Amore when yeah. you guys play that, my heart yeah. dropped because oh, they yeah. were one of my favorite bands Absolutely. when it was coming up, and it was like, he had the Absolutely, and all of those bands, all of those bands have really, um, you know, the torch from the bands like the Minor Threats and the Youth Brigades. The torch has been handed to those bands. It's a different sound, but you know, like I said, that show has been on for eleven years, and it's responsible so much for my comedy in LA. I mean, all the people that come and see me do stand up, you know, I mean, those people all come because they listen to me on the radio for the last ten years. And when I started doing stand up, it came out of doing radio because I was on the radio for about five years, and people were like, "Man, what you do is super funny on the radio. You know, you should do it. You should do it live." And I was like, "How do I do that?" and it was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a new adventure. And I always loved stand-up. And I just kind of I started you know, going into that world. And, and now you know, I'm, I'm in my sixth year of doing stand-up, which is – it's gone so fast. But it's, it's a trip. You know? Yeah, which the, one of the interesting things is you know, you're a singer. So what's the transition from the stage of performing live for a crowd where you're singing, where you're performing live for a crowd – doing stand-up yeah. comedy I mean the only way that I the best way to describe it is this is that obviously when you're on stage with when you're on stage with a band you have the band to lean on you, know, you can really lean on the songs you can really lean on the band and and for me personally I remember when I was on stage with the band and say a snare head broke or you know oh man we got string a fun, broke yeah, yeah string broke so then all of a sudden you kind of you know I would always just go to you know joking around or, or you know whatever so that was always kind of something that I, I kind of leaned on, and also growing up being you know in in a punk rock band, which is it's you know for the listeners that are listening, they're probably like, you know, like there was a time when you were a singer in a band that you had to deal with like people wanting to fight you, like you know different. If a crowd didn't like you, they were very vocal about it and very physical about it. Yeah. So when I started doing stand up, I remember someone said to me like, you know. You got to be careful. You you know, like some manager type agent guy was like insinuating like, well, you know, before you get up there, you you know, you could get eaten alive and these crowds will. And I just said to the guy, I remember I said to him, I go, well, dude, 
Are people like, are, are, are there going to be people in the audience that will get out of their seats and come up on stage and want to physically fight me and like grab me and take me back to the, the back of the club and like jump on my head? And he's like, no, that won't happen. You're like, I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine. <laughs> like, okay. I've experienced worse. Yeah, Don't worry like about people, this. <laughs> people not laughing at me. Oh my God. That's like, that's nothing. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I remember one time I did a set and I remember I, it was, you know, it was right around the, like I was still trying to get my, you know, I mean, I'm always still trying to get my you know, what they call your voice and your direction. But I was trying to more or less just get through like a 10 minute spot. And I remember I was on a show with Matt Bronger, a comedian that I love. And I was so psyched that he was in the audience when I was on stage um, until I actually went on stage and I was just bombing. And I was just, you know, it just was not happening. And, and you know, I just go into like, okay, it's not happening, but, you know, forge, forge yeah. ahead. And I remember I go, okay, thanks a lot. And I got off stage and, and as I got off, he walked right up to me. He goes, man. And he goes, whoa, man, that was great. And I go, really? And he goes, you know what I loved about it, man? You just, you know, like, he just said, like, no one was into it, but you just kept charging, man. Like, you never stopped. And I remember I was like, I was like, thanks, man. And then that night when I was driving home, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I get what he was saying. Like, no one was laughing at you, but you just never let it, you know, let it affect you. you. But, you know. I was also like, I gotta be funny, you know, but, you know, but <laughs> like, so, there's a point of me doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but it was, a, it was, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I get what he's saying is like, you know, sometimes you just gotta forge forward and it's very similar to being in a band. The only thing I can compare my doing standup to is, is, is being in a band. I can only write jokes like songs. Like to me, the big punchline of the, of the joke is the chorus, all the parts leading up, maybe the verse, maybe. Yeah. And then sometimes you know, when people say, uh, you know, the transition, you know, t- to me, that's a bridge. Like, okay, how do I get from talking about, uh, you know, my son and me being his baseball coach? And how am I going to get into also talking about, uh, you know, how I drive a Prius and I have a lint roller and a lot of men drive trucks? Like, how am I going to, you know, you find that transition, which to me is like a bridge in a song. It's the part that exists. Yeah. So I can only think of it that way. And even when I look at a set of comedy, I'm like, okay, you know, what jams am I going to do? I just look at it that way. It's so, the only way to look at it for me. I can't, I try, I can't look at it as anything else. I agree with you 110% because even for me, like I've, I was always in bands and even with uh, the podcasts that, that we do, I do two of them. We've already picked up four or five. So like Rat House Productions is actually now like a, officially a production company. We're putting out podcasts. I'm in charge of them. I don't run them, but they're like, all right, like, how do we get more listeners? And yeah. I was like, you take it on tour. You go out and you do live podcasts. And people are like, well, live podcasts aren't known. It's like, then go make it known. Like, exactly. go get out there because without without this interaction between anybody, no one will ever know about Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, people that may know you from Complete Control Radio may be going to the club on a Thursday night just to go see a comedian. And guess totally. what? They totally like fall in love with you and they're like, who is this guy? They search you up and they follow you from there on. I hope. And then they see my new Wikipedia page and they're stoked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're uh, going to have to wrap it on up pretty soon. Uh, Out of sheer curiosity, Joe, you you have a family, band, record company, you're a comedian. How do you even balance all all of this stuff within your life? I drink a lot of coffee. I figured that. <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee, um, but you know, I'm. Uh, you know, I would say this that uh, it's really all about like what I say yes to and what I say no to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like I've gotten way better at 
what I'll say yes to and I'm not afraid to say no. Back in the day, I would just say yes to everything. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And then I found myself uh, limiting my time on the things that were important to me. And the number one thing for me is is that you know, I spend a lot of time with my kids. I spend a lot of time with my, with b- both my kids. So it's like my priority is, you know, they're only going to be, you know, at the age they are, you know, my daughter's 14. She's, you know, she's going to be going to college in, in you know, four years. So yeah. it's like that window of hanging out, you know, and, and I'm really grateful that from the time she was born until now, I, I always wanted to make sure that I would never look back and, and be one of those dads that goes, oh man. I, I just wish I would have spent more time because you can't yeah. get that time back. Yeah. So I was I I'm weird that way in the sense that like I you know and sure there's plenty of times when I was hanging out with her that I was like oh my god you know when is she going to be able to talk or when is she going to be this way and then you know the, those times just kind of come and go so fast so the thing that for me is is that it's always been about they're my you know my my wife and my two kids are the number one priority in spending time with them and then as long as i've got that handled then i'm able to like pick and choose what i want to spend time on um underneath that so yeah. they're at the top and then you know obviously underneath that side one dummy side one dummy's priority number two it's all about you know because if that's side, making the money dude. yeah that's and side one dummy man at the end the of the day exactly dude side one dummy side one dummy has been so good to me and i have to take care of side one dummy respect it and 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 that's the reason we've been around 21 years because we we nurture it and and we and we we work it. Uh, and then underneath that, you know, kind of you look at it like it almost kind of you know it spreads out to like I'm on the radio, so I do that, you know, and I'm able to do that, and I do it at side one. I tape once a week, so it, I can I can make that happen. Then with stand up comedy, um, you know, there's a give and take. Like I used to surf a lot. I don't surf anymore because I do stand up. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be the guy that like goes and stays out at night and then not there in the morning because he's surfing. Because yeah. that would be called being like a single dad. Like I'm not <laughs> going to be that dude. So for me, it's like I chose, okay, what's the activity that I'm going to do to be creative? And that's stand-up comedy. And, and, then, and then I've also always asked my wife, like, tell me if this isn't happening. And, if, you know, and, and she's been so supportive. And I know people say that about their, you know, their, their, other, their significant others. Like, oh, they're super supportive. But my wife's like supportive in the way that like she knows how much I love doing it. And whenever I've kind of maybe hit those times where I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I want to drive down to Brea, it's fucking raining, or I don't know if I want to go to blah, blah. She'll be like, come on, you know, like you love doing this, you, you know, you got to keep doing it. Okay, cool. And, um, and, and it's also, it makes my job at side one better because I think when you're talking to an artist, a musician, and, and he's talking to you and they're able to be like, wow, man, like I'm talking to the guy that owns our label and he just did Fest down there in Gainesville, Florida for three days. And they're like, wow, like he's not just some guy phoning it in. He's like, he's he owns our label and he knows what it's like to still be on the road at the age that I'm at. Like I've been on the road from, you know, like I said, first tour when I was 17, I'm 48 now. So like to, you know, and I've toured everywhere, you know, as a musician. And now with, fortunately with standup, I've been able to go to all these different places. And, um, and I think that also keeps side one in a good place because when I'm sitting down with a 22 year old that's never toured and I'm able to say, Hey man, when you're in Chicago, you're going to love the Metro and don't forget to go across the street and get cheese fries. They're like, how does he know that? (laughs) You know? And I, and I think that's super important. And I think it also, it balances out like my creative side and, and, and I, and, and I want, you know, I never wanted to own a record label. I wanted to be on stage. So I think it, I think 
it all balances out the balance that you're looking for is I have to be doing all these things because if I wasn't then I, I I don't know what I would do with myself I would just be like what do I do like I'm never gonna be one of those dudes that just like goes to work comes home and watches the game like it's like that's yeah. I, I've never done that in my entire life even when I'm sick my wife has to go like, dude, you gotta fucking go to bed. You're tired, you know. You're I'm like, just, I'm good. I've I'm never good. been that guy, you know. <laughs> now, uh, so last question uh, before we head on okay. out. You know, uh, you're obviously a family man, and that's the priority is uh, is the love of your family and the support of your family. Has there been anything uh, ridiculous recently that's happened with your kids where you just kind of looked at them and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're my kid. You're my kid. Oh man, all the time. You know, all the time with my son. Uh, he'll do and say things that are so smart. I mean, it's more for me, honestly, they, they do and say things that I'm like, Oh my gosh, you are so much smarter than your dad. Oh my, I can't wait to see where like, I'm telling you right now I'm set up because you're going to do great. Like you're a smart person. Um, you know, you're, you know, there's things about my son that I love in the sense that, you know, he's the most, most empathetic, caring person. I know, like I, I learn from him every day. He's just a really solid dude. Um, from my daughter, she's just a no BS type of person. It's like one way, she knows how she wants it to be done. Yeah. She's not afraid to explain herself, whether it's talking to an adult or whether it's talking to a friend. And that to me, to be able to be that comfortable as a woman in 2016, uh, to be a young lady in 2016 and, and to know what you want and, and to be able to not be afraid to go after what you want is huge. You know, that, that to me... Um, is 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 awesome and i love that about her and you know they both have great characteristics of 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 my wife too but but i think my wife and i step back a lot of times and we're just like wow both these people are are they're they're they may be like us some ways but i see them just they're their own thing like that's the one thing when people you know have kids they're always like oh my god you know they they get you know and i've been that guy where i'm like so Attached to them, and oh gosh, I hope you guys, you know, you're gonna spend stay time little, with me. Stay, stay little, stay little. Yeah, you know, but but what don't I, grow up. Just be yeah, cute forever. Yeah, but what I've really tried to do is is and and it's hard, and you know, and hey, ask me in ten years how I feel about it. But I don't want to be one of those guys that's always talking about the past, like oh, I remember when they were so little, they were so cute. <clears throat> I want to be more about like, wow, our relationship has just changed and grown and. And yeah. now you're in, and you are older and I'm older too. Like, I don't want to be afraid of getting old and I don't want them to be afraid of, of me being afraid of them getting old. You know, like, Hey, do I want to, you know, I'd be sad if like, you know, one family member lives in New York and the other one lives here and you know, you're all spread out. That would yeah. be a bummer. But I, I don't feel that that'll be the case because I feel that we can grow together and, and just your relationship changes. And you know, my relationship with my dad now it's totally different than my relationship when I was 15. Yeah. My relationship with my mom. Because you were a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> like, know, realistically. And, I, and, I, and I'd say, you know what? That's probably the biggest thing I learned from my parents is that I just want to I want to have our relationship change and grow and evolve. All right. And last but not least, Joe, where can we find you on the interweb? Uh, you know, you can always hit me up on Facebook, Joe Sib. You can hit me on Twitter, Joe Sib, S-I-B. Um, and then um, you can also check out my podcast, Rad Parenting, and it's R-A-D hyphen parenting.com. And I do it with this woman named Anea Bogue. She's the author. She's an author. She's a self-esteem expert. So if you're out there and you're thinking of having kids or you do have kids, listen to Rad Parenting because we tackle every single question. We got great guests. We got Steve Caballero is going to be on the show. Really? And we got uh, Chris Schiffer from the Foo Fighters. He's coming on. That's awesome. So check out radparenting.com and then come and see me do comedy. I'll make you laugh and then update my <laughs> Wikipedia page. All right. Oh, uh, all right, you guys. We out?
We are out. That's going to be it for uh, this week's episode of That's Life. Later. Later.